As some of you know, I'm actually involved in teaching international students. And when you're teaching cross-culturally, you have to think a bit about how you do it. So, for example, when we're doing poetry, and there's lots of poetry in the Bible, we ask them, well, what poetry is like in your culture? Uh, how are your poems formed? How do you interpret them? Because poetry uh, isn't word for word real, so to speak. And then we come to look at the wisdom literature in the Bible. And so uh, we start that session by thinking, well, in your culture, where you come from, uh, when you think of wisdom, what does it mean? When you think of a wise person, what, are they, what marks them out as a wise person? And so we try and help people to understand the Bible relevant to their culture. Lots of different things. I've learned a lot by working with these students. Uh, we meet again next Saturday, so if you want to pray for us on Saturday morning, that would be good, because I'm actually doing one session. But it made me think about this word holiness. Holiness defined by Christ. Now, if I stopped and gave you all the bits of paper, I wonder how many words you'd write down as to what you think holiness is. What is a holy person? What's it all about, holiness? Is it about being awful, dour, and no fun in life, and, and just going to pray and read the Bible and doing nothing else? Is it people like Simon Stalites who went out into the desert and lived on the top of a pillar for years? Is it just those guys who go off to you know, special places to live in a, a monastery? What is holiness? What is a holy person? What is a saint? It's all the same word. What is it? Well, St. Giles. Giles was a saint. And, and throughout history, different parts of the church have given people sainthood. So what do we think? Sometimes, of course, people think it's rules and regulations, like what you should wear, uh, and how you should do your hair, and all that sort of thing. Uh, some people ask me, you know, why do I dress like this? Well, I dress like this. I'm a man who's of a certain number of years, and if I dress casually in my jeans and, and a shirt, some of the older folks would say, Andrew, you got it wrong. So you'd think about me rather than the message that I'm trying to get over. So I dress like this because it probably means I hadn't even noticed what he was wearing because it's fairly typical of a, a man of my age trying to be fairly respectable. That's why I do it. I don't do it because God said I've got to dress with a collar and tie and a jacket on Sunday. But that's how some people have interpreted holiness. I remember one boy years ago was being asked about becoming a Christian. And his, his response was, do I have to wear a grey suit on Sundays if I become a Christian? He was serious. That was a few years ago because I don't see many grey suits except mine here. Holiness. Defined by Christ. So that, I suppose, means Jesus was holy. And as we hear a bit of a noise here, was Jesus holy when he did a dirty nappy? Have you ever thought of that? Holiness can be with dirty nappy in Jesus. And I, I know we sing that sweet carol, but what mother here really can sing, no crying he makes? Come on. He was holy crying, I want some milk, Mary, I want some milk. He was holy throughout his life. When he met with the most unholy people. So he is the measure of, of what holiness is. 
to live and be like Jesus. Or as Paul put in Philippians 2, uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, made himself nothing. It's not very fashionable, is it? Now you've got to say how wonderful I am and affirm yourself and stand tall and, you know, all that sort of thing. Made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a slave. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Holiness defined by Jesus, or perhaps we look at it shaped by Jesus. In preparing for preaching on this chapter, I read these words. It's always wrong to take a text in isolation. The first rule of interpretation is that a text should always be considered in its context and in addition compared with other texts. So let's look at this chapter 17 in its context. We've got Jesus in relationship with his father praying. Praying for us, isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. He's in relationship with his father. He's in relationship with the disciples. The disciples are in relationship with the father and the son. It's all about relationships and another relationship, a relationship with the world that is different from the people of God. So if you want the context, it's about relationships. And of course, the previous chapter, it's all about relationships. I am the vine and you are the branches. The relationship between Jesus and his followers. So it's all the way through here. And in chapter 13, uh, talking about being nothing, Jesus took the form of a slave and washed his disciples' feet and said, this is how you ought to behave. This is Jesus-shaped living. This is holy living, that servant nature. So that's where we are, with Jesus shaping, defining what holiness is in relationship with people. It's a people thing. It's not a rules and regulations thing. They come secondary. What helps me in my relationships? What helps me in my relationships with the holy God? Holy, holy. What helps me in my relationship with the holy Jesus? What helps me in my relationships with one another in fellowship so that we are God's holy people? Now, of course, this isn't new in the New Testament. If we go back to the Old Testament and and that great man, Abraham, he was holy. He was set apart, called by God for a purpose. Nothing about what he should wear on Sunday. And set apart for the purpose of being a blessing to all nations. When you're in Nottingham, you can bless all nations without leaving the country. But that's what it's called. It was a purpose. Holiness has a purpose in relationship that we are to be a people as the Old Testament people were to be holy as God is holy and to have an influence in the world in which they lived, which is very different from ours, but it's the same purpose. Holiness is about relationships, yes, with Father, Son and Spirit, with one another and with the world. So as you read through this chapter, you come to realize that. And do read the whole prayer sometime. It's, it's an amazing prayer. You could be there for hours. Don't worry, we're not going to be there for hours this morning. The disciples are to bring glory to Jesus. My life 
24-7 to bring glory to Jesus. It is to affect the world, to be different from the world around us. We live in a world of selfishness, of putting yourself forward. We live in a world of social media and of contact, loads and loads of contacts, loads and loads of likes. But what about what Jesus said in John 15? I call you my friends. Personal, intimate. This is the holy God in Jesus saying, you're my friends. If you're a Christian here this morning, you can be, as Abraham was called, a friend of God. Isn't that astounding? That is the, the, the shattering uniqueness about the Christian faith, is this relationship with the holy God through Jesus. So some years ago, I read the book by a lady who used to be a Muslim, and she said, I dared to call him Father. Father. Relationship. But what about our world around us? People have many contacts, but we live in a world where there is so much loneliness. People longing for meaningful relationships. And we are to demonstrate that in, G- in our own lives if we're Christians. Consider what we're doing this morning. We're going to have Holy Communion. Now, the number of words that have been written about how you should do Holy Communion, what it means, etc. Go, you know, don't, don't try and read them all because you'll be here until you die. But what's it about? It's about remembering God taking his people out of Egypt of slavery and bringing them eventually into the promised land. It's about a covenant. This Bible is of the new, old covenant and the new covenant. It's about relationship. And what did Jesus say about this? He said, I want you to remember me. I want this to be focused on me, not on is the procedure right, or the word right, is the vicar wearing the right clothes, whatever it is, and what exactly does it mean? It's a mystery. It's a mystery that Jesus died for you and me. I mean, where is there such amazing love? Astounding. We're to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes because that's why people can come into relationship with this great God. It's all about relationship. And we have these wordy arguments, these great theological tones, debates. We miss the point. So we do with holiness. We think, ah, the ladies have got got hats on this morning, therefore they're holy ladies. In some traditions that would be, that's, that's being holy ladies. Oh dear, ladies have got trousers on. Oh, that's not being holy, some would say. How ridiculous. How crazy. But we get tied away with these little things and forget the core of the Christian message, which is relationship with a holy triune God. So John chapter 17 is about the father-son relationship and his relationship with us. My prayer is not for them alone, he says. I pray for those who believe in me through their message, that they all may be one. Yes, together, oneness. So I ask a question. I'm more often asking questions when I read the Bible. How am I developing my relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit? What do I do that helps that relationship develop and grow, with it grow, you know? Vines and branches, they grow. What am I doing to foster and help my relationships with one another in the Christian fellowship?
That's what holiness looks like. Where we start, anyway. Crucially, of course, we come to this relationship with the world. And Jesus is expecting, as he says in verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. They were to be in the world, but not of the world. To be different from the world in which they lived. With a different as Jesus was. If Jesus hadn't been different from the surrounding culture, he wouldn't have been crucified. It's because he was different that he was crucified. His life stood out as someone who spoke of things that they weren't happy with because it's different when you see Jesus who said, in the world they lorded over each other. That's how the world works, power. But among you, you will be each other's servant. And then he goes on to say, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, to lay down his life. How often do we lay down our lives for others? Some of our brothers and sisters are doing it around the world. What a challenge. The world in which we're living is marked by self and Satan, about power struggles. You get them in church, unfortunately, and that's another story. We won't go there. We'll be here all day and all week. But we are to be those who are sanctified and consecrated. No wonder that uh, Paul in Romans 12 started Romans 12 after 11 chapters about the wonder of the gospel. Therefore, in the light of all this wonderful gospel that we celebrate supremely in communion, I urge you, brothers and sisters, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I love J.B. Phillips translates that verse. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Don't let the world squeeze you. It's subtle. It squeezes you. It has an influence on you you don't fully recognize. And we need to help to recognize it. Are our attitudes, our lifestyles, the way we conduct our lives dominated by the values of the world or by Jesus, who is to be the model, the shaper, the definer of how we live. This last week in my own Bible reading, there was this prayer. Grant us the wisdom to know where our culture clashes with the gospel and the courage to challenge it at that precise point. I'll read that again. Grant us the wisdom to know where our culture clashes with the gospel and the courage to challenge it at that precise point. People tell us that the church has got to be relevant to the world around. I totally agree. I've done some wacky things in my time to try and make the gospel relevant for people. I won't tell you the stories now. We'll be here a long time. Because I believe that's important. But there comes a point when you say that is not the way of doing things in church life because it's the way the world does things. And we're not like the world. And sometimes people have gone to relevance to the point of just diluting the holiness of God's people. They're sanctified. So in verse 17 of this chapter, Jesus prays to his Father, sanctify. Make them holy. Make them saintly, Father. He's asking them to be sanctified. 
Now, it's very, very interesting that when I was a boy, I heard a lot about sanctification and being holy. I have, I have a little a leaflet here which says, Be ye holy, talking about holiness. It's written by a certain gentleman called J.H.J. Barker, my dad. He also wrote a book, This is the Will of God, Your Sanctification. So it's part of my life. But as I was saying earlier, if you told me what the word sanctify and holiness says to you, I suspect you say, well, I haven't really thought about it because we don't use it in church life much. We don't. But I was brought up in the sense that we are called to be a holy people. Different. Make us holy. Set us apart for something special. And we're doing that as we come together. We have gathered together to be a peculiar people. Yes, that's how Christians are called in uh, some translations. Jesus prays, concerned for his Father to sanctify them because he knows their relationship with the world around is going to be tough. And I'm in fear that the world around will affect them so much that they'll, they'll give up on things. Now, a lot of the first part of the, new, of the Old Covenant is about God's holy people being influenced by the world around them to their detriment and to the world's detriment. Jesus knew jolly well the pressures of the world around. And he said, Father, I don't want them to be overpressurized. So if you're praying that the world won't have too much influence on you, Jesus was there before you, praying for that. I want you to be a holy, sanctified nation and people. Yes, our relationship with the world is difficult. But not to leave the world like Simon Stylites on his pillar because he's going to be ever so holy. Not to run away, not to go to those monasteries. But to live in the world. Be shaped more by Jesus than by shape by the world. All the forces. The power of advertising. The power of social media. The power of the phone. Have you heard recently that some children are hiding their parents' phones? because they realise that their parents are giving more attention to the phone than to them. That's tragic. And I've seen, you know, as you know, I cycle around, and I, I see mothers, uh, and, well, carers of all sorts, pushing a, a pushchair on the phone, and the child is obviously needing attention, but they're too, too engrossed in their phone to bother about the child. Holiness is that relationship, supremely that parent relationship. I think it's tragic. But it's, that's the world we live in. So how are we going to have, I gather Simon Cowell hasn't used his mobile phone for quite some time. I don't think he's a Christian, but I can recommend it. Not permanently. I use one. I've got one. There are good things, but how much are they controlling? How much of the world is influencing the way we behave and what we think? The truth in, the, in John's Gospel is not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt. What do we read? John chapter 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. In fact, the writer uses that phrase again, full of grace and truth. Truth is personal. It's relational, we might say. And Jesus, of course, said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Supremely, it's about living like Jesus. It's personal, it's warm, 
It's not dry. Sanctify them in the truth. In the truth. Interesting. I don't know what we're doing in the rest of the service, but we may or may not say the creed. We said it earlier. Some say the truth is the creed. You know, I believe in God. And, and I'm all in favor of creeds. But the trouble is, A, they belong partly to a particular time in history. But also they don't mention a fundamental thing. We believe in the love of God. We believe in relational things. So they have their place. But sometimes we get to, are, are they ticking all the right boxes for what they believe? I am the truth. Far from being wordy and intellectual and make us all miserable and be doer, it's about living Jesus. I and mean, what more attractive thing is there than living the Jesus way of life? Being holy as he was holy. Being distinct and loving and gracious to all the four. You know, we know the stories. Read the Gospels again and again. It's focused on Jesus. Four Gospels. So you've got, you know, read a chapter a day and you get round and reminded of, of how he was with people. How he related to people. The truth. The living truth. Not just the academic, intellectual truth. Remember that uh, Bible study there was on the road to Emmaus? Jesus walks along and they said, did not our hearts burn within us as you shared the scriptures? The scriptures to be vital, warming the hearts and changing things. Wow! Isn't that wonderful? They had a wonderful Bible study. Let the message of Christ rule in your hearts said Paul in Colossians. Let the word, because it's the sanctify in the truth through the word, and that's to affect our lives. Many years ago now, a certain man, in one sense, started a movement. And this is what he said, I believe God has raised us up to bring scriptural holiness throughout the land. I believe God has raised us up to spread scriptural holiness through the land. The UK. He was called John Wesley. And through his ministry and others at that time, thousands became Christians, but also they were so discipled that their lives became holy and they influenced the whole of society in an amazing way. We had a revolution that was not bloody like the French Revolution. So Charles Wesley, John's brother, put a lot of what they were teaching into hymns. And we can read them, and they put them to popular tunes because many of the people couldn't read. So they learnt their theology, they learnt the whole of the Christian faith through singing popular tunes full of the Bible. That's why you can, picking tunes for nine o'clock was easy as winking. I've set some people researching on modern hymns the last 40 years about holiness of life, and biblical-based holiness. And I've been struggling. Because you see, the word holiness and sanctification not only is it not talked about, it's not in the songs. And so it's difficult to find songs that are, are about our subject today that have been written in the last 30, 40 years. I've got various people who know a bit about music and they're still hunting for them. Because Jesus said in, in chapter 15, abide in me and let my words abide in you. Live in you. Become part of you. Digest them. That's a challenge. Bible study is not optional, was said in a music, Christian musical I was involved in years ago. Bible study is not optional. It's the core of being a Christian 
and of being holy. Jesus prayed for his disciples, his followers, for us to be sanctified. He also said in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow, what a challenge. From Jesus, not from me, from Jesus. To be a holy people, make a difference in the world, concern for relationships within us, but also concern for the common good to bless the nation. How are we going to develop that? It's a challenge to me daily, even though I've brought up on holiness, so to speak, from my father and others. What does that mean? What does it look like in the 21st century? What does it mean to be Jesus-type people in this world in which we live? John Wesley also set up at that time small groups of people who would encourage each other in holiness. And Claire and I were in a group here at St. Giles some while ago when uh, folks were sharing the challenge of the working life of the Christian. And, and we shared together and we thought of ideas to help how could they be holy in the working situation and pray for them. It was lovely. I just was so thrilled. There were people of this fellowship wanting to say, I want to be holy. I want to make a difference in my workplace and where, where I, I go to school, my college. That's John Wesley set up groups to do that which is significant in changing the nation. Jesus wants us to be holy. God wants us to be holy. The Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. Do we want to be a holy people? Do we want to be an influence in the world around us, wherever that might be in our individual situation, that leads to revolution, the Jesus revolution, Think about that a moment. How do we go about it? How are we going to run our small groups? How are we going to help each other? Because Jesus prayed for the disciples, a group of people. I want them to be holy. The Apostle Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you. That's the thrill. That's the mystery. This almighty, holy, triune God lives in every Christian. I don't understand that. But that's what Jesus said. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for praying for us. Please help us to get a grip of what you are praying for in this chapter of John's Gospel. Jesus, help us to encourage one another in holy living that really impacts the needy world all around us. May those we rub shoulders with every week find our Jesus-shaped lives of holy living, provoke them to know more of why we take different attitudes to the world around us over various things. May our lives be shaped by loving holiness of Jesus. Make a difference in our life at work, at home, and in our neighbourhoods. As young people have left us, we remember many of them are in the exam season, and we commend them to know this Jesus in the exam room and in their, in their revision. Grant us as a nation that we might have another revival of scriptural biblical holiness for the blessing of all 
and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now with Paul we pray, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify us through and through. May our whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. We've, we've obviously got some, um, some crack uh, contemporary 